Welcome to the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, myself and Dave discuss networking. Dave shares tips on how to find, research, and then pitch up at a networking event. We recorded a session in front of a live Zoom audience. And if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them and attend. There is a link in the show notes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. I'm joined this evening by a live group of students on Zoom and also my good friend, colleague and fellow tutor, Dave Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Hi there, Ben. How are you this week? Um, really good week. I've been doing some some teaching. I was up in Norwich again for a day on Monday. We did something slightly different this year for or this sitting, I should say, for our ACCA students. They have their exams next week and we got all of the students in, irrespective of which subject they were studying for on Monday. And they were in three big rooms in Norwich, three rooms in Cambridge for our students. And they all came in and did a mock exam under exam conditions, sat there on their laptops doing it for the three hours or three hours, 15 minutes for an ACCA exam. Um, and I've then done, along with some of my tutor colleagues, the marking for those. So I finished my marking early this morning, returned scripts and feedback to students. And then they're all joining us for a live debrief of their particular exams on Friday. And so far, it's working really, really well. Big shout out to Alex and Sophie, who have instigated the plans for that this week for my centres. Um, how's your week going? Uh, yeah, good. Um, I, I just seem to have been over the last two or three weeks just in my car, traveling all around Essex, visiting lots and lots of people, doing loads and loads of cool stuff. So um, I, I can barely remember where I was today, let alone um, most this week. But um, something I did do this weekend, though, I um, had a, a, a very good Sunday. So it, my, my Sunday started with a, a trip to the gym with my wife. I then took the hockey team that I coached to their, um, to their quarterfinal, where they won 3-1. And they've now got through to uh, the semi-final where we're drawn against either a team from Manchester or a team from the Isle of Man. Um, so it's one game away from a big final, which will be up in Nottingham. But um, we, we first of all need to, need to find out who we're playing against. Fortunately, we've been drawn at home. So it's either someone from the Isle of, a team from the Isle of Man visiting us or a team from Manchester that will be visiting us. And then I spent the evening with our, our friend and colleague, um, Gareth John, for a night of comedy in, in a wonderful theatre in Southend. Um, and it was really good, well, depending which way you look at it, start to this week or end to last week. Lovely stuff. Well, the, the hockey sounds really exciting. On that hockey theme, my eldest daughter, Layla, who, who Dave has met and knows she's a keen hockey player, she had her first game for the Marchtown ladies' first team on Saturday away at Newmarket, not quite Manchester. And Newmarket, a top of the league that they're in, and um, March lost 2-1, but really should have beaten them. But a proud dad moment seeing her play with the, the ladies, and she was actually awarded player of the match by the, the team. So that was good. That's brilliant. And that was the ladies' first team? Ladies' first team, yeah. As I say that... They, They've only got one team of ladies at the club. So, um, but they are called the ladies first and actually coached and managed by and captained by a former student of ours and a, a good friend of First Intuition, Sarah. So if you're listening, Sarah, um, thank you. Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. And it, one of the great things that I didn't realise about hockey until my kids started playing, because I only ever played football uh, growing up and 
if you if you play football, I used to play um, football on Saturdays. I used to play a bit of Sunday league football as well. And by the time you get into your kind of like your early thirties, you've you've lost any pace that you might have had, and you can't keep up with with the, the the rest of the players on the pitch, and you very rapidly fall in standard. Whereas the lovely thing with hockey is that you can keep playing to to quite a ripe age. Um, at a reasonably good level and it, I only started playing the sport myself at the age of 42 um, and it, it's remarkable to see that we've got kids who are 13 that are starting playing with some of the men's team and they're playing along someone they're playing along two defenders two defenders in my team um, talked to me the other week and said I've just I've just been given um, I've just been invited to Essex trials and I was like yeah some of our youth team that are playing for Essex as well they've gone for the trials for the over 65 Essex team um, which is I think quite amazing that you've kind of got people with that massive age disparity playing on the same pitch obviously the youngsters have only got one way to go they're going up and playing in the the higher teams but you know they for, for some of the older players it's really nice that they can still play still be competitive um, on a Saturday afternoon. Brilliant yeah I've, I've not pulled out a hockey stick yet but um, I'm, I'm tempted and I thoroughly enjoyed watching. Um, something else I was going to mention to you and I think you'll like this um, regular listeners will know Dave usually goes somewhere relatively glamorous and talks about some high tech stuff he's did. On Friday, I went to a, a networking event with the, the CBI um, and it was over in Bury St. Edmunds in the middle of Suffolk at the West Suffolk College. They've got a new university campus there and it was hosted in their new digital skills room. Dave, picture the scene. You go into a room with lots of what would be big telly screens combined together on one wall, making almost like a cinema screen. And we had a, a guest speaker who was broadcast live on there in, in full Technicolor. But on the walls either side, there must have been 50 VR headsets that mm -hmm. are there for the students on the degree courses to go and use, to utilise, to um, presumably develop that kind of technology in the world of business, in the world of industry to virtual reality, their, their working space. And it was so cool. And I thought Dave would love it. I should have taken a picture. There was, I saw something very similar to that where they had, it was, a, a, it's, as you said, describe a room with a massive, massive screen. And they said that, um, that, that that's where they, they kind of meet virtually with people. And as you say, you've got virtual reality headsets that load, that people will wear, but they've got a big screen so that people that, you know, maybe have got conditions, which means that they can't use virtual reality headsets. So it could be they've got issues with their, with their sight. It might be that they suffer from things like vertigo and things like that. It means that they can stand in the room and they can still kind of interface with everything that's going on in the screen, just in a slightly different way. I just thought, yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. Some of that technology that, that, uh, and how people are learning things now um, compared to, Kind of how how we tend to learn, and I, I'm just waiting for the day that um, my daughter comes back from school, and you know, I said, "What do you do?" And they say, "Oh, I went to Egypt today to learn about the Egyptians because headsets went on, and they were actually felt that they were immersed in that environment rather than in my day. It was, "What do you do at school?" Oh, yeah, we learned about the Egyptians. What did you learn? Oh, they told us some stuff about pyramids rather than I was actually there. I could feel the wind in my face as I as I was actually exploring the pyramids. The, the, the technology in education now is phenomenal and developing at a pace. So that was Friday on Tuesday. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of going to Peterborough 
and uh, anyone that's listening to this that knows Peterborough, Peterborough have got a, a new university. They are the newest university in the United Kingdom. They only took their first students in in September last year. Um, affiliated at the moment with the Anglia Ruskin University. Had a tour there. We went to meet the, the finance team because they run accounting and finance degree programs from there. But had a look round and they train a lot of, of nurses and medical professionals. And they had got two rooms that were dedicated hospital wards and they looked just like hospital wards, even to the point that they replicate the background noises of hospital wards with the, the bleeps and the, 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 the signals. They had real beds with patient dummies in them that looked very lifelike, patient dummies that you could take the temperature of. You could even one of them, I think, was set up so you could extract blood from them. Um, fake blood, presumably. It was phenomenal. Um, I didn't go into the second room because they actually had a, a live class going on. And that was the delivery suite where they've actually got a mock up of a delivery suite and a, a, a dummy that actually does give birth. So, um, wow, technology. Mm, mm. It's phenomenal. I, I actually visited that campus a couple of weeks ago and it is it, it's really small and compact, but really incredible. Some of the things they're doing there. Yeah, and, and really accessible, really accessible from, from the city centre sort of thing that I've been going to Peterborough and roughly knew where it was, but didn't quite know the extent of, of how cool the facilities are there, a real real asset to the city of Peterborough. And I'm quite excited that, that hopefully I can get in there and go and talk to their students in the, the coming years about the, the joys and wonders of an accountancy career. So theme for tonight, networking. I've, I've mentioned I've been out and about doing a bit of networking. Dave, you're more prolific than me, particular the Essex networking scene. You, you, you go to lots of events. And I really wanted tonight to pick your brains more to try and give people some confidence, some tips, some guidance on how they can practically go about some professional networking. We've, we've run previous podcast sessions. If you go back over the podcast that we've done, We've run a couple before on networking with the benefits of it. Tonight, I wanted to make it very practical from the perspective of what are some of the things that people need to do, consider and manage during the networking. I'll call it a process. I'm not sure it is a process, but I suppose most things in life you can make a, a process driven. So what, what was the last networking event you went to, Dave? I went to a networking event last Thursday. Um, in fact, last Thursday, I went to two networking events. I went to a breakfast and I went to a lunch. And I have a, bre a um, breakfast networking event that I'm going to tomorrow. Um, I don't have any more this week. I've only got one this week that I'm going to. Um, and then most weeks I will go to at least one networking event. Some weeks I will go to two. I tend to think that in my diary, I should be aiming for kind of half a day to a day a week for me to actually be going out and networking and, and meeting other people. Now, now that's obviously quite a lot mm -hmm. um, and potentially people haven't got the, the spare capacity to, to do that. However, I think you'll acknowledge a lot of that networking is, is done around more traditional business hours. And I know that they've, yep. they've progressed a bit, but, you're quite often, at, as you say, a breakfast event or something that's maybe done later in the afternoon. 
Yeah. Yeah. So generally I will look at, I generally go for breakfast and lunches. I don't mind. I, as we've said before, I don't mind getting up early and I prefer working early than working late. So I'd rather get up at six in the morning and do something than be working till kind of like seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. I'd rather finish kind of at 5.30 and say that's my day done if that meant I started earlier. But that, that's just me. There are networking events that go on into the evening. I know that some of our colleagues will prefer an evening event. Um, as you know, I'm not a big drinker and generally evening events tend to be um, tend to be coupled with, you know, drinks in a bar somewhere or, you know, wine tastings and things like that. So that that's not something that I enjoy as much. So I tend to go for yeah, lunches or, or breakfasts. So you're doing it from the perspective of promoting first intuition, but also building your own network. And I suppose the first thing I'd like to say to listeners is um, you're doing it potentially off your own back. But I would imagine if you go and speak to your employer, they will um, potentially allow you some time to maybe go networking as long as there can be some sort of justification as to this is developing stuff that, that's good for the wider organization i presume you'd be in that position from a first intuition perspective dave if one of your team come to you and say i'd like to go to this networking event um you would pretty much support them in in that yeah i i think that building your own Net, your own professional network is something that is going to help you in your job um, and it's not about I'm going to go and sell a load of stuff because a lot of people tend to think it's oh I've got to go to a networking event because I'm selling my business uh, I'm selling our services I'm selling our products I, I never go with the intention that I'm going to sell something I go with the intention that I'm going to meet some people I'm going to find, you know, find some stories from people. And I love hearing people's stories. And, you know, if at the end of a networking event, I come away and I know two more people than I knew going in, um, then, then it's been a good event for me. You know, sometimes it's, you know, oh, I've, I've met up with five people that I've met before and I know them that little bit better. That's a good result for me. So it's I wouldn't necessarily say that it's all about. I'm going there to to sell or to promote the brand. It's I'm going there to meet some people, and if I come away knowing more people than I went than I went there knowing, then it's been a good event. So let's go right back to do networking. You need to go out to events. How do you go about finding events, Dave? Is there a a, a process, a place you go to? Where would you encourage? listeners to go if, if they are looking for a networking event to attend the first thing i do is ask other people so um it, i mean the, the first network that you know network networking is just about building a group of people that you know and increasing the number of people that you know because at some point in the future they might come to you for help at some point in the future you might want to go to them for advice or for help you know whether that is you now know a solicitor or a lawyer or a banker or a surveyor and they can help you personally if you buying a house they can help you professionally if your firm needs to know a surveyor to talk to so first thing is that where where can we build our network initially well at work we build a network amongst the people that we have at work and the people we know at work you know and that's just building relationships with colleagues if you are studying at first intuition you can build a network of people that you know within the classroom 
you know, and that, that's just knowing those three people that you sit at, sit near, you know, in that financial management class, that you're all having similar kinds of struggles and you're all talking about how maybe it doesn't apply at work and you find out about what they do at work. That's, again, helping you to build that network. But to kind of go above and outside of those confines of work, outside of the confines of the classroom, it's a case of you, you've got to put yourself out there. And as I say, the first thing that I would do is I would ask other people that you know. So is there that person at work that you know is regularly going out to business breakfasts or is regularly going out to some kind of you know drinks event or some kind of social event? I would speak to them and ask the question, you know, where are you going? You know, I'd be asking the question of, you know, what value do you get out of it? You know, would it be possible for me to come with you? And going with someone else to a networking event is a brilliant, brilliant place to start. Now, if you don't have any of that, look online. And if you look online, you will find other networking groups. Now, it depends on the, 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 the town or the city that you're in, how these kind of things are structured. So sometimes it might be the case that you've got organisations like the Federation of Small Businesses or the local chambers of commerce. They will run kind of business breakfasts, business lunches, kind of evening events. Just look at their events. You may need to pay, pay a small fee, okay, in order to attend them, but that, that's always a really good source. Now, I know up in Cambridge where you are, Ben, there's loads of really exciting business groups where people that are working within an individual sector have formed groups that come together on a regular basis. So I know that there are things like biotech groups where people that are working for drugs and pharmaceutical companies will get together because they've all got kind of like common issues and then maybe lawyers and accountants that specialize in these areas will also go there so you've got a nice group of people that are all interested in the same kind of sector and um, where i am in essex it tends to be based around small towns so you know there'll be a small group that meets in brentwood and a small group that meets in basildon and south end and malden and braintree and all these little towns have got these kind of little groups and as someone's mentioned actually in our chat local councils sometimes see them as well so councils will put together these groups so you can look online google's a great place so you could just type in wherever your town is business networking business meetings and um, for me linkedin's brilliant because ultimately these events want people to come. So they'll actively be advertising on LinkedIn to say, come to our networking group, come to our networking meeting. So there, there are loads of places that we can look, but the, the best place is really through recommendation and where do other people you know go. Once you start going to them, one of the first questions I always get asked is, which other networking groups do you go to? Can people start sharing ideas about where there are different groups? And you can quite easily find out stuff from from other people um, and as I think that that Ben you've you've kind of mentioned sometimes the professional bodies have them so the the AAT they sometimes have um, that it's not always networking there's sometimes other kind of meetings they put together and um, the ICAW I know that they held a networking meeting um, in South End last year um, and at first intuition we're hosting a networking meeting networking meeting next Wednesday so on the 8th of 8th of March we're holding a special event in Chelmsford for International Women's Day where anyone is invited but we're there to celebrate the role that, that women play in a lot of the professional services and a lot of the accountancy businesses we work with. So so lots of places to go you, you mentioned a couple of things there that I just want to go back to first one is paying for the events um, what's your view on paid for versus free events with regards to where people should should go or start 
I, I would try any of them. Um, things that I would watch out for are there are some events that are free and brilliant. Okay, they tend to be an absolute free for all. It tends to be loads and loads of people in a room. You've got some events that are paid for on a pay-as-you-go basis where you might pay, say, 15 or 20 pounds and you get your breakfast and then you get the meeting. And they, they can be structured in different ways. And then you have kind of membership organisations where you pay a annual fee or you pay a monthly amount and then you go to a certain number of meetings every single month. It tends to be the same kind of people that are there. So you tend to build quite like stronger ties in those arrangements, but you have to have that kind of commitment. I've never been committed enough to go to those because I'm kind of like a, a butterfly. I will flip from one to the other, to the other, to the other. I don't just want to be tied into one group. I want to be a whole range of different people. But you've kind of got a huge, you know, different range of uh, in terms of how committed you want to be to an individual group. Very similar to my experience. So some of those paid for regular subscription networks, an element of me backed away from that because it felt like it was a bit like, oh, this is going to lock me into this if I paid the money for um, attending multiple events. But I, I think it's absolutely fair for events to charge, particularly if there are costs to cover. And yep. from somebody that's organised events, the organisers like to have a, a, a nominal charge just because it commits people more to coming. One of the problems of organising a free event is if people haven't paid in advance to go, they are potentially more likely to drop out on the day, which I know happens to some people. But with a paid one, there's probably more incentive to go along. Yeah, I agree. Whether it's free or paid for, it is very common now, Dave, isn't it, to have to register for the event in advance? Yeah. And I, I wouldn't see that as putting anybody off. It, it's quite normal to have to register for the event. I think your event that you're running in First Intuition at Chelmsford next week has got a link to register. Yeah, and, and if, if we think about it, one from a practical perspective, if you're an organiser and you've got zero people that are, or say you've got two people that are registered, you're probably going to cancel that event because, you know, two people getting together isn't really much of an event. Um, or likewise, if you've got capacity for 100 people and 500 people are registered, you need to be aware that you're going to be a bit cramped in there. Um, also, from the other side, if, if someone has gone to the trouble of organising events and they're asking you to give your information, that's the exchange you've got to think about. You might not be paying money, but you're paying with your contact details that they can then contact you after the event, you know, maybe to sell their products or something like that. I, I wouldn't personally have a huge issue with that. So I, I'm you know, relatively happy. Uh, there's one networking group that I go to once a month that is completely free of charge. You get free food at lunchtime and they don't ask for any contact details. You just turn up at a particular bar in Chelmsford. I think it's about the third Friday of the month. Um, and you can go and grab some sandwiches, have a chat with some people. And there's no pressure at all to give information away. Brilliant. So we, we found a networking event. Let's imagine we, we, we found the one we're going to go to. We've registered. We've booked a space to attend next week. What sort of preparation would you go through in advance? But but before you get there, is there anything you do or you would suggest or recommend people do in advance of attending? Well, it very much depends, I think, on your um, on what you're attempting to get out of the meeting. So if it is the case that you are there from a kind of a sales perspective, then it is worth knowing, you know, who are the key people that are attending this meeting who I really would like to talk to. Um, I have on occasion done that. 
Uh, and it's kind of like, well, actually, I, I did want to speak to some of these firms to explain what we do, because it would be really nice to work with them. So if you can get that list of attendees in advance, you can look through that list of attendees and say, well, actually, there are some people that I'd like to meet here. I always think that's kind of slightly odd, though, because then when you get in the room, it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Where's the person I want to talk to that I've never met before? So I, I now tend to not do that kind of you know, oh, I really want to speak to this person. I tend to go there with my, you know, completely open-minded about who I'm going to speak to. And when I go and just speak to the people that, that you know, I engage in a conversation with and just tend to have a nice time talking with them, regardless of, you know, whether they are that person that I was desperate to speak to or otherwise. Um, but it, it, you can have a look at that, that list of attendees beforehand if that gets circulated. Sometimes it's quite useful just to see the kind of people that are going to be there um, and, you know, get an understanding of the, the, the kind of people you'll be speaking to. So that's, that's really the only preparation I'll do. Outside of that, where is the venue? Is there parking? What time is it? What time do I need to be there? If it's seven o'clock in the morning, you've got to start. What time do I need to leave to get there? Um, I never like to be the first person in a networking meeting. Um, you know, I, I tend to arrange if it says it's going to start at seven, I'll be there at 7.15 because then I know that there'll be a few people already there and I'm not going to be knocking around talking to the organiser who's gradually getting more and more desperate about why no one's arrived yet. So those kind of things I would look at in terms of that pre-meeting plans. Is, is there anything that you routinely take to those networking events? I take business cards, but I am actually contemplating not taking business cards in the future. Something that I've actually started to do is where kind of when it gets to a stage where people say, oh, have you got details or can I take your cards? Um, I actually try and get my phone out now. And if you open up the LinkedIn app on your phone, you can get a little QR code. And if you hold up that QR code, someone can scan it. And then you can automatically send an invitation to connect to someone on LinkedIn. And I actually really like that as a way of connecting and exchanging information without giving a business card over. But if you're not confident enough to, and I appreciate that, you know, sometimes you might meet someone who doesn't, you know, understand how LinkedIn works. So it is useful to have something that you can share your, your information with. So. Yeah, business cards are a great way of doing that. I know some people have virtual business cards, which again is another way of doing that. But you, again, the people that you're sharing information with would need to know how to share a virtual business card. Cool. And, and my presumption is a bit like the, the working world is tending to be now. Things like dress codes are, are more relaxed probably than they were a few years back. Have you, you noticed any trends there? I presume you get out your, your best flowery, fi shirt do you to, to go and and stand out in the crowd yeah absolutely it's it used to be the case you would see lots of people with suit and tie on um more and more people i i think nowadays are, are dispensing with the tie uh, i think that it's it's now far more common for people to wear open neck shirts but um you know i'll see people in networking meetings that are wearing kind of nice corporate branded um polo shirts hoodies people wearing jeans so it's, it's far more relaxed I would go in the thing that you feel comfortable in and um, by feel comfortable I mean feel comfortable presenting yourself professionally and not necessarily just wear your jogging bottoms and a vest uh, but, but 
you know, if you if you feel that the you know comfortable presenting an image of your brand or for your your practice firm or for the business you work in, if you feel comfortable that a shirt and tie says what you do, wear that. If you don't wear a tie, that's absolutely fine. You know, if you're comfortable wearing jeans and a shirt, that's fine. You know, if everyone in your office wears a hoodie and you think, well, that's just who we are, wear a hoodie. You know, it's it's entirely up to you what you wear, but it is far more relaxed than it used to be. And um, Watch out in case there is a dress code, but it, I can't remember the last event I ever went to where there was a specific dress code. Cool. So we've registered for the event. We've got there. I'm dressed. 15 minutes, 15 minutes after the start, we've got our, our favourite shirt on, not a Derby County shirt, but one of your nice floral ones. And we're walking into the room. There are, there are other people there, but I still think one of the single biggest hurdles to overcome on this kind of networking is the ability to walk in that room and overcome the fear of nobody's going to want to talk to me. Who am I going to go and speak to? Have, have you got any tips or standard approaches for that? In most of these events, presumably you go to a someone on a desk to register and sign in. From there on in, Dave, anything you could share with the, the listeners? First of all, absolutely right. Walk in, usually there's a desk, usually you have to register. Quite often they'll give you um, a badge to put on or a sticker to put on. Sometimes they'll give you one of those lanyards that you put a business card in, but they'll give you some way that you can identify who you are to other people. Um, now, occasionally when you go to those meetings, the person at the desk can be your best friend because if they've got time, then they will introduce themselves to you. Because you'll go along and say, hi, I'm here for the networking meeting. And they say, who is it? And you'll say, who, you'll say, hi, I'm Ben Bullman. And they say, oh, hi, Ben. Um, and then you could ask them a question. Um, or they might just say, um, who do you work for? What do you do? And you can start getting that kind of conversation. I know a brilliant, brilliant networking group that I go to where the, the chap that runs it checks everyone in. And he says, oh, you work for First Intuition. Um, you train accountants, don't you? It's like, yes, I do. Uh, and they said, oh, we've got an accountant that's just actually joined this group. He's over there. Do you want me to introduce you? So sometimes you get people that are really, really helpful. But when things are busy and they just want to get you checked in quickly, it's not always the case that you're going to be able to do that. But when things are busy, that's your friend. Because you go into the room. Usually it's an enormous room. There'll be groups of people clustered together having a chat. Um, and sometimes it's quite intimidating, I think, to go straight up to one of those groups. So what I always do, Ben, is I go to the drinks table. Okay, so that's the, my first step. And it'll be tea or coffee there, or there'll be a glass of orange juice or a water that you can get, whatever. And I'll walk over there and I'll get myself a drink. And first thing is, if someone else is getting a drink, brilliant place to start breaking the ice because they've just arrived as well. They're not having a conversation to anyone. So, you know, you... you help yourself to your tea or coffee, turn around and you can introduce yourself to that person. Okay? If not, I tend to then look for, I, is there a small group of one or two people that I can just pop over to and introduce myself to? The worst thing for me is when you've got a group of six people and you're trying to go over and say, well, there's a group of six people and I've got no one to talk to, so I'm going to go over there. That's, for me, the hardest one to break into. But the only time that's an issue is if there's only six people at the networking event and they're all talking to each other. And I think it's perfectly normal then to go over and talk to them. And it's fine to say, this is my first time at the networking event. Oh, yeah. Come here yeah. regularly? Yeah. Is there, there anybody that you um, usually kind of speak to while you're here? 
people are used to first time networkers, aren't they? So um, actually, yeah. I think they'll be they'll be on your side. They'll want to introduce you. They'll probably want to show off and introduce you to other people in the group, actually. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people are, are, are kind of nervous. And I've, I, I suffer from it myself. I, I get nervous. And when you walk up to someone, the, the easiest thing to do is to say, hi, I'm Ben. And then someone is going to respond to you and they're going to say, oh, hi, I'm Dave. And then you're going to say, oh, nice to meet you, Ben, or nice to meet you, Dave. And then you're going to say, oh, and where do you come from? Or who do you work for? And the minute you the minute you ask that question, it just becomes easy. So the in initial introduction feels a bit clunky and awkward. But if you're thinking, what am I going to say now? Ask them about their work. OK, so, you know, oh, who do you work for? And they're going to tell you, oh, what do you do there? And, what, and, you know, tell me, do you come to these things often? And once you've gone through three steps, then, then, you know, it, it's easy. The conversation becomes really, really straightforward and you become one of those groups that someone else wants to come along and then introduce themselves. And they'd say, you know, oh, hi, Ben. Hi, Dave. I'm Gary. So it, 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 the, the most difficult thing is the initial conversation, the initial breaking the ice. Once you've done that, it becomes straight, quite straightforward. There are some people that have kind of like a little script and say, you know, I've got my little 30 second advert of what I do. If you want to do that, absolutely fine. But I just prefer asking other people questions because I'm really nosy and I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear where people work and what they do and what interests them. So I will constantly be asking questions. And, and people will want to talk about their business, their jobs, the organisations they work for, what they do. But another element of building rapport is talking about other things. I, I will usually revert to, how did you get here today? Wasn't the, in, in, in Cambridge, any Cambridge listeners will know that the A4 team was running quite nicely today, or I've come on the train. Um, it's okay to talk about the weather if that's a way to, to break the ice and, and build that level of rapport. I, I like to talk about the networking itself. Is this an event you usually come to? As you said, Dave, something else that you can talk about. Do you go to any other networking events? Is there, there anything else that I, I should know about in the, the Cambridge area or the, the Norfolk area or the, the Manchester area, what, wherever we're doing our networking? Yeah, I agree. Those kind of questions are always really, really useful. And it, it, it's, you know, if you ask someone, do you go to any other networking events, then there's going to be one of two, two answers, yes or no. If it's no then it's, oh, so, you know, do you just come here then? And then they might say, it's my first time. Brilliant, you found another first timer. If they say, yes, I go to X, Y, Z, then suddenly it's, oh, how do you find them? And they'll tell you, you know, oh, this one's really good. This one's a, you know, this one's a bit more relaxed. And they'll give you some input and give you some ideas about other things that you could do. So a lot of the networking events have then some element of speaker or session or breakfast what, what's your experience of those days is it, is it routine to have a seating plan or is it a, a race to find a seat when they say you can now go and have your breakfast uh most of the ones that i go to it's pretty much a free-for-all um the breakfast that i go to um yeah it will either be a free-for-all you all dive in and find a table and then you have breakfast served at your table or it's some kind of buffet and you're in a queue, grab your food, then you sit down at a seat and then 
yet you'll be sitting near it and sometimes it'll be the case you'll you know you'll be chatting with the same person as you queue you go over sit down you have a nice conversation it might be you end up sitting at a completely different table with a completely different group of people but because you've been put in that position you know the first the first thing you do when you sit down is you introduce yourself to anyone that you haven't met and it's just a natural thing that happens and even if you're really shy someone else around that table is going to do it you're not going to have four people sitting at a table at a networking event and have all four people just you know, not speak to anyone else. And, and they're, they're usually themed around something, aren't they, with a particular topic, maybe. So I, I suppose a bit of an advanced plan would be to, to at least have something to mention around that topic area. The one I was at on Friday was all about engaging younger people when they first start their jobs. And so I'd thought about that on the drive there, actually, and thought, oh, there's a, a couple of observations or a couple of questions I can ask. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it means that you've got questions you can ask. You also are going there a little bit informed. So at the end of the talk, you've then got something that you can relay back to other people. And say, oh, oh yeah, the, I, I did know a little bit about the change in pension rules, but it really surprised me to hear that they are thinking of increasing the annual amount, annual allowance, or something like that. So, you, because you're going there with a point of knowledge, you can then talk a little bit more sensibly about the themes that have been discussed. Just had a, an observation comment in the, the chat box with the live um, students here tonight. Someone talking about having guest speakers, and yeah, I've been to a number of networking events where there is a guest speaker. And at the end, they will usually open it up to questions and answers. I suppose I, I, I always like to try and ask a question, particularly if there's not been a flood of questions from the audience, only because I've been on the other side of that as a speaker. And I've always welcomed people actually asking questions. Yeah. But I, I shouldn't feel pressured into it. And, and I wouldn't um, think you, you have to feel I need to ask a question. But I think genuinely the networking is better if, if people do, because it spurs on a bit of discussion and debate. Yeah, as with any kind of presentation, whether it's networking or whether it's one of our classes, Ben, my classes are more fun when people ask questions. And, you know, the, 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 you know, the really interesting questions are always ones that I remember. Um, so, yeah, I, I was thinking perfectly fine. And if you have got questions, ask them. So completing our, our process. We've found the networking group, we've booked on, we've got there, we've got into the room, we've had a, a good couple of chats with people at the, the coffee table, we've gone and had a lovely breakfast. We're now finishing the event, so we're going back to work or going on to another meeting maybe. What sorts of stuff would you do to kind of close down the networking event or to do after as a bit of a takeaway for people? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that if you've if you've had a nice discussion with someone and you're saying goodbye and you haven't exchanged kind of um, contact details, it's a great opportunity to do it. As I say, if you've got a business card, do it that way. If you want to do it electronically, as I say, LinkedIn is absolutely phenomenal for being able to do that with the QR code functionality you've got in there. Um, if it's a virtual card or whatever, um, any of those any of those works. So I think that exchanging information, all that's saying is that you know I'd like to keep in touch with you. Or if you know there's something that that you know if you're a surveyor and I come across a client that needs a surveyor, can I take your details in case I want to in, in case you know they need to be referred to you? Um, once you've got those contact details, um, 
Personally, I, I like to do a follow-up afterwards. I like to drop an email to people saying it was great to meet you. Um, really enjoyed our discussion. You know, I'm sure I'll catch up with you in another event. Um, and, and, you know, just to make sure that the email's gone across. I'll either do that via an email or I'll do it via LinkedIn. Either one of those I think is absolutely fine. I never make a point of trying to sell anything to anyone because I just hate it when people do it to me. So it's generally just thank you. Great to meet you. Hopefully we'll catch up again. And, and you know, really, really short type of message. Um, and, you know, it just helps me next time I go to another networking meeting. If I bump into them again, it's an easy way in. Because it's like, oh, brilliant. There's Ben. I met him three weeks ago. I'll just go over. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? How is your business going? And instantly you've got a rapport from, you know, from, from the last meeting that you that you attended. So, something I do, particularly on the way out, I always go and thank the people that have hosted it. I'm yep. sure you do something similar, Dave, um, because I, I know what it's like to set up those events. I know the amount of work and effort goes into it. So I, I think it's a bit of professional or personal courtesy, isn't it, to go and thank them for the networking event. Something else I would encourage you to do, quite often there'll be some kind of feedback form or follow-up from it. I always try, and we're, we're all busy people, and I can't hand on heart say I do all of them, but I always try to fill out the feedback and give them some information back because I know again people that are organizing and running the events really do um, want that feedback it helps them to develop programs and sessions in the future yeah and you know a little thing that if they've given you a lanyard or they've given you like a little thing to slip your business card and as a badge hand it back to them um, because it's a tiny tiny thing but um, if people walk off with all of those kind of things, then you run out for your next meeting. And it's always a pain when you've got to go and order a few extra and then they don't match and stuff like that. So, yeah, make sure you give back anything that, that you were given at the beginning. And that's your opportunity to say thank you. And they will really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Brilliant. And, and hopefully that's then the catalyst to go and book on to the next one. And I'm sure you would observe, Dave, the, the more you do it, the easier it becomes or the more natural it becomes it is awkward walking into that room for the first time I remember going back when I first started doing it and even now there are times where I'm not quite feeling it and I go into a room and think no come on Ben you need to go and actually speak to someone and and I'm pretty sure people will feel better for doing that once you've you've done it it's much easier to talk to someone once you're doing it than it is psychologically in your head before you start yeah, it's, it is. There's, there are moments where it, it feels horrible and unnatural. But once you get over it, it, it becomes very, very straightforward. And if you like talking to people and you like finding out about people, they are really, really good fun. You know, I would say if you're the kind of person that just doesn't enjoy having those kind of conversations, uh, then it's, it's not for you. And that's absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, I'd say for people like you and I, Ben, where, you know, I, I love those kind of like small groups of people having those little discussions, finding out these people. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy them and come away absolutely buzzing normally after them. And uh, a chance to really be proud of, of what you do, who you are, who you work for. Yeah. Um, don't make the trap of being quite dismissive and thinking people are not going to want to hear about what you do, because I think sometimes that gives a, a negative impression, doesn't it? I always um, try to be positive, really. Um, happy proud of of what I do who I work with how I do it and my part in the organization it's all too easy particularly when you're first going out networking that you are um dismissive of your own role 
not saying you should exaggerate things, but don't be scared to tell people what you do, how long you've been doing it and how you do it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's, most people I speak to at network events are very passionate about what they do and um, are happy to talk about it. And I, I, I always think that's the way to do it. And if you're, if you're not passionate and happy with your work, then you, know, you probably shouldn't be at that work, let alone networking around it. Well, as, as always, we are up against the clock on a Wednesday night and it looks like we are, are nearly up to time. Dave, thank you for that. I thought that was really useful. It's exactly what I wanted to do to go through some of the practicalities of, of getting out there and doing it. I'd encourage listeners to go and try, go and do that research tomorrow, find a networking event, book on, register for it, tell people at work that you're, you're going to go. They will largely be supportive of it. They will want people out there promoting the businesses, promoting the organisations. Um, good luck and enjoy it. Um, thank you for the students that have joined this evening. We've had some really nice observations in the chat box. So thank you for those. For the regular podcast listeners, thank you again for downloading. Continue to download, to share. The back catalogue is, is still there. It's not going anywhere. So um, please go and, and look at previous sessions. We, we've run a couple of other ones on networking as well. So you can go back and, and listen to those. Dave, have you got any final closing thoughts or, or words for the group? No, I, th I think something that, that people mentioned in the chat, and I think for, for all of us as students, look at your professional bodies because the professional bodies do a lot of events. Uh, they're not always face-to-face. -face. Some of them are online. But if there is anything face-to-face -face and it's, it's set up for AAT students or for ACCA members or SEMA members, really, really good place to start because you've got a room full of people there that are all on your wavelength that all speak your language in terms of the language of finance. So that's where I would look to start with. Brilliant. Well, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And hopefully you'll hear from us again on the next session of the First Intuition Student Forum and podcast. Good night. Take care, everybody.